welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. In 2019, directors Clement and Sophie Guerra produced an award-winning documentary entitled The Condor and the Eagle. The film documents the stories of four well-known indigenous environmental spokespeople who are at the forefront of a perspective shift in the identity of indigenous people from forgotten voices to powerful and influential leaders. They have struggled with feelings of isolation their entire lives and are now discovering the power of their shared voices to bring change to the entire world. When revered native elder uh, Casey Camp Hornick traveled to New York in 2014 to lead the People's Climate March, she was met with overwhelming support from the people of her sister nations in North and South America. With the continuous expansion of pipeline projects throughout the Americas, these indigenous women and men represent the last remaining landholders who refuse to sacrifice their territories to transnational oil companies. Their unification in New York first and later in Paris are among many similar and burgeoning initiatives, mostly led by indigenous women that have inspired people around the world to rise for the protection of the earth and give life to the climate justice movement. Filmed in the jungles of the Ecuadorian and Peruvian Amazon, First Nations communities in Canada and native tribes in Oklahoma, viewers are able to capture the extraordinary beauty in the places, faces, and cultures of indigenous people. The indigenous heartfelt pursuit for self-discovery, self-reclamation, and a way of life is chronicled in this film as they build alliances around the world. The film also sheds light on the role of indigenous peoples on the front lines of struggles to defend the earth from extractivism and environmental devastation. Today, we bring you audio from a recent panel discussion and question and answer about the condor and the eagle hosted by the Indigenous Environmental Network. The Indigenous Environmental Network is a network of indigenous grassroots environmental justice activists primarily based in the United States. During today's program, you will hear presentations delivered by Casey Camp Harnick and Tom Goldtooth. Uh, Casey is one of the protagonists in the film, The Condor and the Eagle. She is the hereditary drum keeper of the Women's Scout Dance Society of the Ponca Nation of Oklahoma. Tom Goldtooth is the executive director of the Indigenous Environmental Network and has been awarded with recognition of his achievements throughout the past 40 years as an activist for social change and Indigenous-based just transition within the Indigenous and environmental justice movements. The discussion was moderated by Liana Lopez. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. 
We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. For Pacifica Radio, I'm Eileen Alfandari. Senate Democrats tried and, as expected, failed to pass voting rights legislation when fellow Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema voted with Republicans to keep filibuster rules in place. Vice President Kamala Harris briefly presided over the Senate. She was there to break a tie in the evenly divided Senate if Manchin and Sinema unexpectedly changed their minds. The 52 to 48 vote meant the underlying voting rights bill couldn't come up, even though both Manchin and Cinema have said they support it. Christopher Martinez reports on the Senate debate. West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin says he's opposed to changing a rule that he says leads to consensus. The filibuster plays an important role in stabilizing our democracy from the transitory passions of the majority and respecting the input of the minority. Democrats say their measure is a response to Republican state legislation that restricts voting. The only African-American Republican senator, Tim Scott of South Carolina, defended state voting restriction measures and took issue with President Joe Biden for calling them Jim Crow 2.0. To have a conversation in a narrative that is blatantly false is offensive, not just to me or Southern Americans, but offensive to millions of Americans who fought, bled, and died for the right to vote. That brought a response from Democrat Cory Booker of New Jersey, who was also African-American. Don't lecture me about Jim Crow. I know this is not 1965. That's what makes me so outraged. It's 2022. I'm Christopher Martinez. The U.S. Supreme Court has cleared the way for the release of presidential documents sought by the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol insurrection. The justices rejected a bid by Trump to withhold the documents from the committee until the issue is finally resolved by the courts. The only dissenting justice was Clarence Thomas. Following the high court's action, there is no legal block to turning over the documents, which are held by the National Archives and Records administration. They include presidential diaries, visitor logs, speech drafts, and handwritten notes dealing with January 6th from the files of former chief of staff Mark Meadows. The committee's Democratic chair Benny Thompson and Republican vice chair Lynn Cheney said in a statement that the Supreme Court action is a victory for the rule of law and American democracy. On his one-year anniversary in office, President Biden acknowledged the pandemic has left the country exhausted and demoralized, but insisted he has outperformed expectations in dealing with it. Biden acknowledged the frustration over the lack of testing. Should we have done more testing earlier? Yes, but we're doing more now. We've gone from zero at-home tests a year ago to 375 million tests on the market in just this month. If you buy a test at a store, your insurance will reimburse you. On top of that, we're making one billion, one billion at-home tests available for you to order and be delivered to your home for free. Biden also conceded he would likely have to pare back his Build Back Better recovery and climate package and instead settle for what he called big chunks of the plan. During his marathon nearly two-hour press conference, 
Biden addressed the brewing crisis on the Ukraine border where Russia has massed troops. Biden said his guess is Russia may move further, but he believes President Vladimir Putin doesn't want full-blown war. He declared Russia would pay a dear price if Putin launches a military incursion. Jury selection is scheduled to begin in the federal case against three former Minneapolis police officers who were with Derek Chauvin when he murdered George Floyd with a knee to his neck. Jay Kung, Thomas Slade, and Two Tower charged with depriving Floyd of his constitutional rights while acting under government authority. Chauvin was convicted last April on state murder charges and is serving a 22-and-a-half-year sentence. In December, he pleaded guilty to a federal count of violating Floyd's civil rights. The number of people applying for unemployment benefits rose to the highest level in three months as the fast-spreading Omicron variant disrupted the job market. Jobless claims rose for the third straight week by 55,000 to 286,000 claims. That was the highest since mid-October. A surge in COVID cases has set back what had been a strong comeback from last year's short but devastating coronavirus recession. A United Nations-backed group says it has signed agreements with more than two dozen generic drug makers to produce versions of Merck's coronavirus pill to supply 105 developing countries. The group says the agreements will allow drug companies to make both the raw ingredients for molnupiravir or the finished product itself. I'm Eileen Alfandari for Pacifica Radio. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth, and those were our news headlines now. We kick off our Sojourner Truth special on a new indigenous film entitled The Condor and the Eagle. During today's program, you will hear presentations and commentary by Casey Camp Hornick and Tom Goldtooth. Casey is one of the protagonists in the film The Condor and the Eagle. She is the hereditary drum keeper of the Women's Scout Dance Society of the Ponca Nation of Oklahoma. Tom Goldtooth is the executive director of the Indigenous Environmental Network. Let's hear from them now. My name is Liana Lopez. I want to thank you very much for everyone joining us tonight. We hope you enjoyed the film as much as we enjoyed making it. And just so you know, I am in the film. You probably saw me a couple of times. I am a multimedia communications professional based in Houston, Texas, and I do old media, print media, and digital media. And most of my work is focused on educational, environmental, and social justice projects along the Gulf South for all five Gulf Coast states, the Amazon rainforest, the Northern Americas, Central America, and Europe. And IEN is hosting this film and panel discussion. And we're talking about the indigenous values and how those are reflected and they are not. So there's a project the rights of nature or the rights of mother nature that Casey Camp is deeply involved with, which we will be talking about as well. Tonight's screening will be supporting IEN's work in Indigenous Environmental Network, um, the Film Impact Campaign, which is part of this whole series of screenings. And also the other folks that we're supporting tonight are two Indigenous communities in Nicaragua who were hit by two of the strongest storms out of the 2020 hurricane season, um, which were I 
Iota and Etta, we ran out of names. So I started to start using the Greek language. And so tonight for our talk about the rights of Mother Nature and Mother Earth, we are joined by Casey Camp Hornick, one of the film protagonists. She will be opening us with a prayer in just a minute. She is a hereditary drumkeeper of the Women's Scout Dance Society of the Ponca Nation of Oklahoma. Because of her work there, the Ponca Nation was the first tribe in the state of Oklahoma to adopt the rights of nature statute and passing a moratorium on fracking on tribal lands. And if you don't know Tom Goldtooth, the leader of IEN for quite some time since the 1980s, he's been involved with environmental related issues and program working within tribal governments in developing indigenous-based environmental protection infrastructures. And he works obviously worldwide on policy advising in indigenous communities and other communities on environmental protection and more recently on climate policy focusing on mitigation adaptation and concerns of false solutions i am going to now turn this over to casey cap to start us off with a prayer it's good to be here with everyone tonight and i want to acknowledge my younger relatives my relative uh, tom goldtooth my relative chief ninoa And of course, Liana and our interpreter, Colin, and ask you to overlook me speaking in front of you and to add your energy to the prayers that we might offer tonight together. Burn a little bit of uh, cedar and sage here to try to make things right and invite this sacred fire to be part of our prayer. And also our relative, the water. And yeah, jinga. Uh, I think uh, I think we say it the same way in our languages, uh, relative tongue. But portions of Mother Earth that are here at this time. Want to remind all of you that are here with us today that witnessed this film that the things that you saw are the lives that we carry and live in all the time, and that together somehow the great mystery has given us the ability to join our voices and our thoughts and our spirits into one understanding through our original ways that honor our Mother the Earth, our Father the Sky, through the winds, through the wings, through the forelegs, through the fins, through the water herself, our Father Son, our Mother Moon, the sacred star nation. With that in mind, I want to also remind you that each of you could be anywhere doing anything this evening, and yet for some reason we're drawn together, and that's an important sign that we're meant to be together, that we're meant to share this little short period of time together and to put our energies towards the healing of ourselves And in doing so, the healing that we owe this debt of of deep gratitude to our Mother Earth and Father Sky to give back to them. Great mystery, Earth Mother. When I say thank you, and I say thank you. Thank you for the sacred moon. 
the Father's Son, the winds that blow, the deer and the other four legs, they, the buffalo, the sacred water that it comes from the milk of our Mother Earth that she nurtures us with, for the finned ones that live within her, for all of those that we don't have names for, but we know as our relative in whatever form they may be in this universal gathering of life that the great mystery put into motion before we came here in this flesh, in this rope that we wear over our spirit. We ask that you join us in this thing called webinar that is another portion of the web of life that connects us. Show us a way forward. Help us honor the ancestors that came before us and set a path in front of us. Let us be the path maker now and set a place for our youth and our unborns that they may have what is necessary to have life. Bless all those that are sickly, all those that are in mourning, all those caretakers, and on and on and on. We're grateful for this moment to come together, and we say thank you. God, our thoughts, our words, our intentions, and if there's something forgotten, I ask you to take that from the middle of my spirit and offer it in the best way possible. Sha, we Thank you for that, Casey. I always love when you open prayers like that, uh, whether our panels of prayers like that, they're so calming, especially after the information that you've taken in from this film. Hello, Tom. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us. It's always nice to see you in person. Can you tell us, you know, it's been a long time since I've been able to catch up with you as well. And I know that there's been some changes and some serious things happening at the, you know, international level. Can you give us a, fill us in a little bit on some of your most prominent projects at the moment? Uh, sure. It's good to, to see you again. And it's really good to see my relatives, uh, Casey Camp and Chief Ninawa. And to everyone that's listening, yeah, the best listening, actually. Well, Dakota Basha Shichin. A happy day. Chante Wishdeya, Napeche, use up the door. Dakota Chaze, Makupi, Matho Awayakapi, Mie. I spoke to the, my relatives, the Grizzly Bear Nation. It's always good to hear my younger brother, uh, uh, Nina Watts, speak because it triggers in me the original instructions that we've been given by our elders, by our people. And uh, when I took this position with the Indigenous Environmental Network in 1991, some of the older ones that I uh, related to, worked with, and they were worried. They said, hey, don't forget your teachings because you're going to go out into that world. And uh, I really felt good with this circle of, of elders and uh, women's societies. And there were youth in this formation of this uh, confederacy, this alliance, a, a network. 
of indigenous peoples to pray with and, and talk about Mother Earth. I really felt good about that uh, because the foundation uh, had a spiritual foundation. As I got more involved with two worlds, the white men world of federalism, they have their own laws. They have environmental protection laws and standards, environmental health health laws. And I started to focus on that to get a better understanding on their legal system. I already have an understanding on how the white man thinks. But as far as the legal system, where they say they're protecting the environment, I talked to people about that. And one of my grandfathers said, you know, when you talk about the environment, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. You know, they don't understand that. They forgot that. But it's spiritual. When we talk about the air, we talk about the water, we talk about pollution prevention. Even uh, when the, these federal agencies are evaluating the impacts, the effect of some kind of uh, development, is that spiritual work. That takes us who understand our indigenous thinking into that, uh, not only the cultural and spiritual values that are important to, to ask and to assess on the development of a pipeline crossing the sacredness of a river, Minishoshe, the Missouri River, for an example. It kicks into gear that two world, that duality of thinking that we exist in this modern world as indigenous thinkers, indigenous peoples that are continuing to lift up our traditional indigenous knowledge. But also it brings in uh, the issues of our rights, our inherent rights uh, as indigenous peoples. So that's that duality that we have to face. So right now, we have people on the front line right now here where I live in northern Minnesota. Line three, the corporation is in bridge. There's been our local communities of the Anishinaabe peoples. They've been fighting all along in the long process of decision making that the Minnesota state and United States government, since this uh, is a Canadian-U.S boundary, transboundary decision, okay? It, it has to involve treaty rights. But in this long process, the decision makers of the colonists, they don't want to recognize the indigenous treaty rights. They don't want to recognize the inherent rights of the Anishinaabe people who live here. So right now, there are some people here that are camped out because the construction has started to dig into Mother Earth. They got the pipes laying there like a snake. They got contractors. Most of them are men. They're not indigenous white men. I don't know anything about them. Some of them bring the same confusion that they have in their families. There's high rates of abuse, domestic abuse, rape, sexual abuse that these contractors bring with them. I saw that same thing happening in the mining industry in Brazil. As the miners come in, the indigenous women are raped. They're beat up. I see that happening in all my travels. You mentioned my world travels. I haven't traveled though since mid-March. I've been homebound. 
but I'm just as busy. We got these Zoom meetings and uh, it's helped because it allows us to reevaluate how do we keep our communication with our indigenous peoples? Because that snake that's out there, that Western forms of development knows that this is their opportunity to try to keep going and putting these pipelines, oil development, mining development, extractive industries, but also that's extractive economy. Capitalism thrives on what I'm talking about. So what are we confronting? That's part of it. But also some of our, our peoples are being strategic with this new president coming in. What is it that we need to take advantage of? What is this an opportunity for executive actions to do what? So we are engaged with people on the front line, a network of grassroots people throughout Turtle Island, all the way from Alaska to Florida, to Texas, Phoenix, Southern California all these areas. What is it that we want to push up? The right to free and prior ethic, free, prior, and informed consent is something that we are lifting up. We're hoping that this president will sign an executive order to make it mandatory on all the federal agencies who are involved with federal action and decision-making with our American Indians and Alaska Natives in our communities that they be engaged with implementing and recognizing the provisions and the standards of free, prior, and informed consent. The consent is their right to say no under self-determination. So this discussion on the rights of nature is very important, like uh, my brother Ninawa talked about, because part of what we have seen, including my sister Casey Kemp, from the local level to the state level, to the national level, but we've been lucky to go into the international community, the United Nations. And one of those initiatives is the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, conference of the parties, the parties of the nation states of the world coming together. The Paris Treaty Agreement that they made in 2015, we call that one of my people I work with, Alberto Saldamando who's an experienced and knowledgeable human rights attorney. He was one of the drafters of the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Coming out of Paris in 2015, he said, this Paris Accord is nothing but a treaty agreement. And as you look into it, it's full of false solutions of carbon market, carbon pricing scenario. There's even confusion in this country with a lot of the environmental organizations. They don't understand that these carbon market solutions that they're talking about, cap and trade, carbon offsets, uh, carbon tax, carbon dividends, polluter paid mechanism, does not cut pollution at source. It's a greenwash. Chevron and these corporations buy themselves out of it. They're not cutting emissions. They're expanding, like in Richmond, California. It affects my brothers for the Seriaku. This film, this movie went into Ecuador. They are facing deforestation. They are facing all these issues we're talking about. And what has come in there is these big, large NGOs, environmental groups, the World Bank, and they're promising big money. Just give us your trees. What? Give us your trees. Yes, we're going to utilize the carbon in the trees. 
we're going to protect your trees that way. And uh, we told them years ago, you know where the money is coming from? It's not coming from the World Bank. It's coming from the polluters. They're buying themselves out of cutting back emissions, carbon trading. And if you engage in any kind of commodity in the trading system of the world, Wall Street, anywhere, you got to determine whose property right that is. It's a property right issue. Before you trade air, carbon, before you trade methane, greenhouse gases in their system, you got to determine who owns that. So it's a commodification, privatization issue. And that's happening throughout the world with biodiversity, conservation. Mining companies are buying themselves out of taking responsibility in mining, raping Mother Earth. They're not taking responsibility in many of these areas that we're talking about. But now they're starting to use conservation offsets to offset the destruction they do in one area, Mother Earth, in another area, they say, we restored the Earth. So they offset their destructive activities. So they look good in an ad in National Geographic. They said they have offset the damage they have done. But this is a form, again, of disrespect of our Unchimakam, Mother Earth. It's a disrespect to life. It's a disrespect to the air, to nature. This is why we joined the Global Alliance on the Rights of Nature. Casey has been to many of the meetings that we've had, our tribunal, to where we have tribunals to hold these perpetrators of the Universal Declaration on the Rights of Mother Earth. We hold the perpetrators guilty, an act of crime against Mother Earth. So it's very important, this discussion, because in the movie, the foundation of the mentality of an extractive economy and extractive industry and the governments and the financial mechanisms like the World Bank, they're all part of this. It's a part of dominion of the sacredness of Mother Earth that they brought with them. The dominion over our women that was hundreds of years ago, they came and the dominion over the creative female principle of the natural laws of Mother Earth and Father Sky. This is indigenous knowledge. This is why this is important to talk about. So development of the earth jurisprudence, the, diverse, the development of earth laws, the development that uh, were you in New Zealand, they recognize the personality, the rights of the personality of the Wakanui River. These are important steps in the movement. But it puts a challenge to us as well is to work with that because this is a door opener, a door opener that we can continue to lift up our rights because we are still fighting in these countries and these governments in Oklahoma, in Minnesota, in North Dakota, South Dakota, for laws that recognize the rights of our personality as well as indigenous peoples, our inherent relationship. This is a relationship issue. So maybe as this movement grows on recognizing the rights and the personality of the water, of the river, we're hoping our prayer is that the dominant society will say, along with that, there's no separation between the rights of Mother Earth and the rights of indigenous peoples. It's one and the same. We cannot separate it. So that's some of the challenges that we are working on. How do we assert 
our rights, our laws as indigenous peoples in this movement on the rights of nature, the rights of Mother Earth, that the colonial governments were recognized. So that's what I wanted to kind of lift up on where we're at right now. And we have to continue to fight an extractive economy, a system. We've got to work to keep fossil fuels in the ground. That's very important. No fault solutions like technologies, geoengineering, where they want to capture the pollution that the industry is creating and capture it. And then they're going to use like a straw and blow it back into Mother Earth to capture it and to sequester it into the earth. Who gave these people, the industry and the governments and the financiers permission to do that? Did they consult Casey Camp and her people, Chief Ninawa? Did they, did they consult with us to have ceremony to see if that is permission was given to us by Mother Earth? The companies keep going. Fracking issues, I'm sure my sister's going to talk about that. So it's really critical, this movie. It's critical we have this discussion because it's just now opening the door to this illusions. And where we're at right now with the virus and with Mother Earth, Mother Earth is speaking up. Something has to change. We're watching the volcanoes throughout the world. We're watching that right now because they talk to each other. So all these things we are watching. Thank you. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We're going to take a quick station break. When we return, we will continue our special on a new Indigenous film entitled The Condor and the Eagle. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Sojourner Truth, check us out on our website at So True Radio. If you're on Facebook, you can look for us and like us there. Our handle on Instagram and Twitter at So True Radio. We're also on SoundCloud. You can go to the search bar and type in Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott to find us. And today we'd like to give a shout out to indigenous nations throughout the Americas. So that will cover here in the United States and also internationally. Now, we return to our special on a new indigenous film entitled The Condor and the Eagle. During the second half of today's program, you will hear more presentations and commentary by Casey Camp Harnick and Tom Goldtooth. Casey is one of the protagonists in the film, The Condor and the Eagle. She is the hereditary drum keeper of the Women's Scout Dance Society of the Ponca Nation of Oklahoma. Tom Goldtooth is the executive director of the Indigenous Environmental Network. Let's hear more from them now. I love these conversations after the panels because they're always very different and they're 
they cover so much. There's so much to cover in an hour, all the things that, that have to be said. But I, I do want to just point out one thing just because of some of the comments that we've been getting on Facebook and some of the things that uh, were mentioned in our comments here. One of the things that I found, and, and this is to your point about being separate from the earth, when I started getting involved in the environmental work, I could not believe, and I'm not going to name the NGO, but it was a big NGO that you hear almost every day. When I started working with them here in Houston, because I found out, you know, about other things, other places first. And then I started realizing what was happening here in Houston after I met Brian and his father. When I started with this environmental group and I was talking about the fracking and all of the pollution, they literally, I was the most talented one with their social media at the time. And so they literally like, well, we need to uh, start a whole other group to talk about pollution and all this other stuff, because we only talk about going out and enjoying nature. These are also part of the folks. I'm not saying it's the same group, but I was amazed. They wanted to save the forest by taking tribes like Chief Ninawa's tribe out of the forest to save the forest. I just, it took me a really long time to understand even how that could, how people could think like that. So I think we have a lot of work here to do. And with that in mind, Casey, you know, you're, you know, one of the things that you did, you're, tribe was one of the first folks in the state of Oklahoma of all places to adopt the rights of nature statute. Can you tell us, you know, what kind of experience we've had and what kind of, I'm going to assume since in Oklahoma, what kind of, you know, response you've gotten, I guess, from the folks that live around you that are not, not indigenous. Thank you. And thank you to Chief Ninua and to my younger brother for their wise words. Spiritually, Chief Ninua has an understanding that always speaks directly to my heart and spirit. And the same with my younger brother in his relationship to the great spirit and interpreting that into the Western civilization thoughts and how they do that. And it it brings up many, many, many thoughts uh, when I listen to them. One is simply a manner in which we interpret the language that we're speaking right now. We're talking the colonial language and we're expecting them to understand it from a spiritual viewpoint. So we begin to assess that as indigenous peoples and as activists and as women. And one of the things that stands out to me is when I hear natural resources. That's not even a practical understanding of what we're talking about. Take off that RE there. We're talking about sources of life in our understanding of the natural world, in our understanding of the natural laws, sources. And so we have to begin to take their language as well and have it reflect the understandings that we're coming from. And I think that that that's one of the gifts that these two have offered us tonight is, is an understanding of how we can utilize the colonial words and mindset and adjust them to an indigenous uh, understanding of how to realign their laws with the natural laws that we try to follow. And I remember hearing something that struck me deeply uh, because, of course, as a woman, I have grown children 
within my womb. I have been blessed to have four children, two men and two women, that teach me every day. And they came through the waters that lived within me. And they came from the corn that I ate. They came from the rooted nation that I ate. They came from the forelegs and the wings that I ate. And their cells were built. And when they were born onto this earth, they went that way and their breath became one with the winds that come from all directions. And the warmth that they have is the warmth of those volcanoes and of the father son. And they became part of the rhythms of the moon mother that brought them forth from me, that was controlling me, that I was in tune with. So I understand the sacredness of life is about us recognizing that we are part of nature. We're not here as protectors of nature. We are nature protecting itself. And it's so vital that we come from everything with that. So when it became a time that I was on the governing body of the Ponca Nation of Oklahoma, it was easy to help to put those into words. You know, our attorney, Jason Amat, our business committee and our people, many community gatherings with movement rights, Tom came down. And we talked about this many times prior to that. How do we recognize what the natural laws are? And how do we find and assess a manner to create tools that will give the colonist an understanding that our laws, the natural laws, are the ones that are going to sustain us. So by recognizing the rights of nature within the Ponca jurisdiction and our traditional jurisdiction, we feel as if, and we've not stopped yet, there's more to come, uh, we feel as if we have set ourselves in a position that when our sacred water is being affected, we live between uh, Nijide and Niska, the, the Red River, and uh, it's called Salt Fork, and Arkansas, that as the polluters affect those, then we can have guardians, as uh, Chief Ninawa spoke of, not just guardians of nature, which is nature itself, but to have appointed human guardians that speak this language, that have legalese. And they can interpret into the courts, the Ponca courts, not the federal, not the state, but the Ponca courts, if they violate the rights of nature. Because again, we are nature, and we're trying to protect ourselves through that way. Free prior and informed consent. And recently, when Governor Stitt of Oklahoma attacked our sovereignty through getting the EPA to rule on behalf of the state of Oklahoma to have jurisdiction over the Environmental Protection Act here, rather than the 39 tribes that are represented, we're, le- we're legally one step ahead right now because we have this statute in place. But at the same time, we're going to challenge them in their state and federal courts because when we said no, when our environmental office said no, 
and we said we do not give consent you failed to get consent they said okay we're going to count that as consultation and they went ahead and passed that law anyway and that happened to all of the nations here the same thing with the fracking even though we have a moratorium on fracking within our jurisdiction all around us they're still doing the same thing they're doing what my relative tom said you know they they are they're hurting the water so bad they're taking the fresh water and they're putting these vile things in there and they're pulling up the breaking down the shell rock the very bones of our mother earth and they're they're causing that to drip out and pull it back up and then they inject this water back down into the earth and who did give them permission certainly not us but the state of oklahoma in anticipation of this fracking boom that Harold Ham has pushed and he's from Oklahoma a multibillionaire in the extractive industry they passed a law here in Oklahoma that forbids the municipalities from putting a moratorium on fracking but as indigenous people we still have our treaty rights whether they're honored or not and i believe that we must exercise those now it is critical it is necessary we don't have the time to wait until a process happens so we passed a, a moratorium on fracking but everyone has to uphold the rights of indigenous people now because you're our neighbors because you breathe the same air because the mother earth sustains you in the same manner because the moon mother moves the waters through you as well as through all other things because the father son beams down on you and because all of those things are part of the natural laws and the sacred system of life that was put in place by the great mystery and now human beings have misbehaved so badly that only by falling in line with what is true what is natural what is real and realigning ourselves with the sacred can we trust there will be a place for our future generations it's so scary sometimes and i say scary in the best possible way because i love these conversations but we only usually get about an hour um and there's just so much to cover so much So I'm going to, we're going to go for the last question here and I'll let you have your choice because this one question always comes up when we have these panels. What I want to say is, and Tom, I'm going to come to you first. During the discussion, we have covered quite a bit of a lot of information. Is there anything as we wrap it up here that you would like to mention and talk about and to say that we have not said yet in this particular discussion about the rights of nature? Or if you want to tell someone how they can help, where they can help. Sure, I think I'll start out with where people can get more information is we have a couple organizations that Casey and me are affiliated with. One is Movement Right. It has a website, our Indigenous Environmental Network. We're redoing our webpage, but we're going to have a really dynamite page on this issue and then the global alliance on rights of nature. But one thing that I want to talk about is some of us small circle of indigenous thinkers were concerned that this movement even though it's part of prophecy on and on the right path that it doesn't become a form of extinguishment. 
that it not become a form of termination in genocide. However, it's unintentional. This is very critical. The rights of nature in the context that we're talking about, and it's existing within a non-Indigenous context uh, uh, through, you know, the human connection. As Indigenous people, we're lifting up that connection of importance is the inherent relationships that exist with Indigenous peoples, our lands, the sky, waters, the spiritual teachings that we talked about. And lifting up the importance of inherent relationship jurisprudence. So along with this evolving jurisprudence that has various names that we talked about, uh, rights of nature, rights of Mother Earth, Earth law, wild law, Earth jurisprudence, all of these type of thinkings draw ideas and inspiration from us as Indigenous peoples, and many are important. Many of these are very important allies to our movement as Indigenous peoples, and many of our Indigenous peoples embrace that. So the common theme is that they're framed around a notion of rights and that they are all existing within a non-Indigenous framework of law and society. So that's what I wanted to throw that out there so it doesn't become just a Eurocentric approach, but also, but important is an approach that recognizes the importance of Indigenous peoples' framework. And then we already have the mechanisms for that in this country and where Ninawa lives is that we already have the practice of our traditional knowledge. We already have the elements of our own inherent relationship jurisprudence, our indigenous legal and political uh, articulation that involves customary rights. So this is what we're entertaining within uh, our network of indigenous peoples, IEN, and it's going to involve a lot of more discussion, uh, but it is part of prophecy that the dominant world is going to come back full circle to learning what its relationship is to the sacredness of Mother Earth. Thank you. Thank you. And again, thank you, Tom, for joining us tonight. There's just This is just a really good panel. I'm really happy to be part of, and it's always glad to get to see your face. We are out of time. I'd like to thank all of the speakers featured uh, in today's program, as well as the Indigenous Environmental Network for allowing us to share their audio with you. I would also like to thank the Sojourner Truth team, Romero Funes, our assistant producer, and today's audio engineer. If you'd like a copy of today's show, you can contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230 or go online to pacificaradioarchives.org. Remember to visit our website, sotruradio.org, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is at sotruradio. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott, and y'all, please stay safe.